Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and my guest today is a man of many talents, though he's not currently a quote-unquote chef in the way the general public would probably think of as far as a, a guy standing behind the pass, you know, barking out orders and everything. Instead, this man, after cooking in and around Omaha since 1992, is helping push forward the next generation of chefs and cooks, all while providing Omaha's new ways to enjoy delicious food. With that, let's welcome my guest today, Chef Dan Benigno, owner of Chef Around the Block. Dan, welcome to the show. Dan, thanks for having me. We got an all-Dan show today, and I I love it. So there are a lot of places that we could start with with your career because you have done a lot and are currently doing a lot, including like three more things that I just learned since you (laughs) showed up today. But I want to focus on... um, kind of your big project right now, something that you recently opened. That's a pop-up uh, restaurant in Midtown. It, it's called Chef Around the Block, where each week and sometimes twice a week, you're you're hosting different concepts, bringing them in, and, and kind of allowing them a, a chance to kind of test their concept and see, you know, if it has legs behind it. But I guess I, I just want to roll out the red carpet for you. Can you kind of explain to me what uh, your pop-up spot, Chef Around the Block, is and, and what you're hoping to accomplish through it? Sure. My uh, my Chef Around the Block pop-up shop in Midtown Crossing, 31st and Farnamish, uh, is really there to host local chefs, culinarians, caterers to get that Midtown exposure, um, increase their reach, their social media reach, increase their, you know, the areas of you know Omaha to get them more exposure essentially is what we're trying to do. My main goal is to not wait so long for our city to visit these local restaurants, you know, visit them before their 30 day notices. I'm closing and, you know, I'm closing at the end of the month and then everybody goes to those restaurants. Let's try to get that more regularly. You know, let's, let's visit, you know, two new local restaurants every week, everybody, let's try to do that and, and make sure we all survive together. You are speaking my language, man. Right? Visit new restaurants every week. Get out of the same old places you go to all the time. I could not love that more. And I love that, like, obviously, Chef Around the Block, It's the pop-up shop is still pretty new. So the roster of uh, chefs and different restaurants that have come through is ever-growing. But when you look at it so far, I mean, it's it's 
concepts that have only done pop-ups or, or offer like baked goods. There's been restaurants in there that are full-blown restaurants that are, you know, just getting a chance to expose themselves to a different part of the city. There are even uh, some concepts that do like meal prep, but now they're getting a chance to serve, you know, full meals in a restaurant style capacity. Just like how important is it for places to just be able to highlight themselves in a way that in your shop, in a way that they wouldn't be able to do by themselves. So I really think, and from personal experience as well, that once you try my food, once you try their food, you'll be hooked. That's that's it. Like once you've had my mashed potatoes, you're going to always want my mashed potatoes. So when you try these other chefs, these other businesses, these other restaurants' food, in this more compact, you know, intense settings, like you got one night to try it, make it happen. Uh, I think that adds a little bit more excitement to the food and makes it more of an event. Exactly. Um, and I, it just gives people that opportunity to, to try their food a little, a little quicker, a little, um, you know, more real, more close, close to the heart. So, okay. So I, I definitely want to get back to chef around the block, but you just brought up the mashed potatoes, and I can't even tell you, going through your Instagram, how many times I see these mashed potatoes, and it's the award-winning mashed potatoes. It's Dan's mashed potatoes. And now, like three minutes into our conversation, I'm hearing about these potatoes again. Tell me about these mashed potatoes and why I need to try them. They're s- simple food done well. That's essentially my My motto. favorite type of food. Simple food done well, and it's Yukon gold potatoes, it's butter, it's cream, it's salt. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's your base mashed potato. Well, once you under, and that's what I teach in my cooking classes that I do. We'll get into that later. But it's foundation building. So once you understand the foundations and the process of making these dishes, including the mashed potatoes, they're consistently better all the time. So boiled whole Yukon Golds. I don't cut them, so that's all the starches doesn't leach out and makes gluey mashed potatoes. You heat up your cream. You heat up your butter so that you're not seizing the potatoes when you're adding. Cold to hot, you're adding hot to hot so it doesn't seize up. Whip that nice and clean. Add the salt that you need. And it needs to be creamier than you're comfortable with. Oh. Yes, that's the little trick there. Because as the potatoes sit, they start to seize and they get stiff. So if you make them a little bit more runny, as they sit 15 minutes later, you'll have perfect mashed potatoes. When you reheat them tomorrow, and I say this all the time, when you have your mashed potato omelet, because you need to have a mashed potato omelet, you'll have nice creamy potatoes for that. And the mashed potato omelet is literally just the mashed potatoes with an omelet on top. That's it. You're going to have potatoes anyway for breakfast. They may as well be my mashed potatoes. I think you just, you're like <laughs> speaking my wife's language right, right now. You put together eggs and mashed potatoes. That's something that we've never thought of before, but I yeah. think you might have just broke my brain it's a little. delicious. Okay. Now I've got mashed potatoes on the brain. I got to try and try and get back on course. All right, all right. The, I, I love your mission because there is so much culinary talent in this city, and I think it it was kind of, it was kind of fun and also a little bit frustrating during the pandemic. To it, it was fun to see because so many chefs and mostly actually cooks at other restaurants weren't working. They kind of got a chance to think through what would it look like if I cooked my food? Mm-hmm. What if I did my own concept? And there were some amazing things that came out of that. I can't tell you how many different pop-ups I tried, and, and it was just so fun to to try Filipino food, to try 
uh, vegan Mexican food, like things that I probably never would have gone to for a restaurant for, but I tried it and I absolutely loved it. But the thing that was kind of frustrating about it is so many of these places that I would try, even if it was only once or twice, they didn't have the staying power. And those places have kind of fallen off since then just because it is so hard as a young cook to get your name out there and to really make a mark where you're going to get a chance to, you know, be a consistent pop-up or be a food truck or eventually have your own restaurant or whatever. That's what I think is so cool about Chef Around the Block is because you are giving them a restaurant setting. I mean, I've been in there. It's a beautiful space. From what I can tell and from what I've been told, like the kitchen setup in the back is perfect. It's beautiful. It's got all the utensils and everything you need. And it just, it gives people a chance to come in and experience someone's food. So where they come in and try it and they say, oh my gosh, veg edible. This, this is such good food. Where, where are they going to be? At? I'm going to follow them on social media. And all of a sudden a following is created. That's what I think is so cool about your space. Thank you. My, my goal is their success is my success. If they're successful, if I can make them have a huge following, if I can get them to get increased business, if I can get them to be better and, you know, create better and open more shops and have a quality of life and balance of life, because that's hard to do in the restaurant business as well, uh, is my success. So if I can get them to be more successful, if I can get them to have that staying power that, you know, we want good food to be, we want them to stick around more, uh, then I, I feel successful in that, you know, that, that comes from, you know, my previous job of, uh, training and development for my, my corporate world, uh, to this and just kind of keep giving as much information that I have to give out there is my goal is I want them to be successful with, you know, systems and, and tastings and whatever I can get them to do. That's what I want. So, well, I think that's another really big part of it that I wanted to bring up and I'm glad that you did here is, not only do you have this space now, but you have a wealth of knowledge from doing this and being in the food industry for so long. And it's not only the food. I think, you know, when so many people think about restaurants, they just think of the food. But a lot of these pop-ups or these cooks who are starting their own thing, like, they've never trained a staff before. They, they might not do, you know, they might not know how to order food for a restaurant. They don't necessarily know how many utensils they need or, you know, how to keep a space clean or anything like that. How much does having not only your resources, but your experience to be able to guide them and kind of walk them through what some of these things look like, how much does that help? Immensely. My previous job was a, uh, I was the national executive chef for training and development for a corporate dining company. Holy crap. Yeah. No so wonder it's you a mouthful, right? yeah. <laughs> So that was my last title at my last job before COVID was national training. So I would travel the country from San Francisco to New York times square and open cafes and restaurants, teach chefs, teach cooks how to do the job for the requirements for that business. And I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, I'm a good cook. I'm a really good cook, but I felt that I was even a better manager, that I was a better leader, that I could explain things more fluently to the staff so that they could understand to get the results that we needed. Um, and, you know, being able to continually do this, like out of the place I work at now, the commissary kitchen at Kitchen Council, we do have a lot of new people coming in where this is their first, second, third restaurant they've ever worked at. Some people never heard of Restaurant Depot. 
and they're trying to open a restaurant. I'm like, you need to sit down for a minute and have a conversation with Dan. So uh, giving those people that knowledge and understanding how to articulate it to them so that they understand it and they can benefit from it is, is just as critical as being able to, you know, read a recipe. So, and it, to be successful, you need to be able to read, write a recipe, cost out the recipe, figure out all these other details. And, and I try to help as much as I can with that. So what do you think are maybe two or three of the most important things that you find yourself repeating time and time again, just things that maybe young pop-ups don't understand or don't have a great grasp on, but they're just so important. And you're like, if you're going to be successful, you got to get this. Communication is key to successful relationships, whether you're at home or you're at work and realizing you're not in this alone. Like you have family members you can talk to, you have other people in the industry that will be more than happy to talk to you about this. You, you'd be surprised. You, a lot of us aren't in competition with each other so much as we're competition with ourselves. So I find that the people working next to me are my sounding boards for what I'm doing. Please taste my food. What do you think about this cost? Should I increase that? Do you have anybody that can help me with this event? You know, being able to communicate and ask for help will help you be more successful, but you have to get that communication out there. I think that's a, a really big one. Um, and then just be honest with yourself. Am I, do I just want to cook my food? Okay, cook your food. Do you want to run a business or two different things? Uh, you can get somebody to hire you to make your food, and that'll be a lot less stressful. <laughs> so, Maybe that's an avenue you want to go to. So just really be honest with yourself and what is it you want to do and why you want to do it. Um, and then third thing is, is, yeah, cost everything out and find the best prices you can at this point. Uh, you know, waste is a huge thing. So especially in a small business and catering and events like I do, uh, you know, I, I would love to buy in bulk, Am I going to have a place to sell the rest of that bulk? So uh, having resources for that and getting just being smart about your dollars. Well, and that's especially important for pop-ups, especially new ones. Um, you're just talking to Stacy and Matt from Veg Edible on last week's podcast, mm -hmm. and they were talking about how they weren't profitable for the first eight months, didn't make any money because they – I mean, this wasn't the only reason, but they said the biggest reason was they never knew know how much food to buy. They would either buy too much food and then you're obviously wasting money or they weren't buying enough food and then they're not maximizing their sales. So like being able to have a better understanding and obviously, you know, it can fluctuate with every pop up, but being able to have a better understanding of, OK, here's what I can expect. Here's how I can most efficiently spend my money. That's huge. That, I mean, that's really yeah. everything for a pop up. Yeah. And. You know, that's the difference between a pop-up and catering where it's like, you tell me 200 people are coming, I'm cooking for 200 people, we're good to go. But, you know, a pop-up, you could have 50 people, you could have 250 people, and you just don't know. And that's one of the the re main reasons I don't have a brick and mortar per se is because of that daunting, looming uncertainty uncertainty of how many people are coming through that door today. And I, I, would, ha I would hate to have to sit there and go, I need... 35 people to come through today to, you know, fill my gas tank up, you know, and that's essentially what it would come down to. So that scares me. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I have, you know, I admire those out there with brick and mortars that are making it work and want to make it work. I'm going to help you however I can. (laughs) Another thing that I love about Chef Around the Block is it just, it provides such a wide variety of experiences for the diner. I mean, again, we're talking about what's still a very young space, yet you've already hosted nights for... Uh, vegan food that you've hosted a couple brunches you've had a burger night you've had mexican food you've had um like uh healthy meal prep come through so not only are you being able to highlight these different chefs and these different cooks but you're also highlighting different types of cuisine i think like someone who's never had ramen could have come into veg edibles ramen had an incredible bowl of ramen and been like Hey, I like ramen now. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. And so you're expanding people's minds culinarily, not only just to that specific uh, pop-up or that specific concept, but potentially to a new cuisine overall. Was that part of your goal in this as well? I'm a huge fan of global cuisines. That's part of my cooking classes that I do is I can teach you any country you'd like to learn. And I have you know a few regulars that that's exactly what we do. She picks a country and we learn that country. So uh, I, I embrace every culinary cuisine you can imagine, and I'd love to get everybody through those doors so that we can get more people to try that food. And I, food's just fun. Just try all of the things. Just try, try everything all, try at least once. Th- yes. You yes. never know if you like something or not until you try yeah, it. I, I tried ostrich. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on. That's What's a one next? and done, yeah. but yeah. you tried I it. I tried it. I can say I've tried ostrich. I can say I've tried alligator. I can say I've tried sea urchin. And good to go. All right. Thanks. Moving on. What's next? (laughs) But uh, one thing I I often tell people, too, is, you know, you're not allowed to not like it unless I've cooked it for you. So, yeah, that's always a challenge. But, uh, you know, food done right tastes great. And sometimes it just wasn't made right and you need to try it again. So just don't always be turned off by stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's something that, again, going back to that episode last week with Stacy and Matt, you know, they're talking about so many people don't like vegan food or they think they don't like vegan food because they've had bad vegan food yep. because a lot of it is honestly kind of lazy yeah. and prepared pretty poorly. Yeah. But when someone actually puts their passion into it and highlights vegetables in a way that is special, yeah, you can have a tremendous dish. I'm someone who... Probably as recently as 18 months ago, had never had vegan food. Or, I mean, I'm sure I'd had, like, I've had food that vegans would eat, but not, like, specifically marketed to. And now I see something like Veg Edible or Little V's or something like that, and I'm like, yes, I want to try that because this food can be great. Sometimes you just have to try it prepared by the right person. Correct, yep. And that's what I I tell tell Stacy that at Veg Edible, too, is, like, as a severe carnivore, she makes great vegan food. Uh Uh-huh. You know, she's, it's just awesome when she comes around. Look what we made. Look what this is. Try this. Try that. And I'm like, that's fantastic. And she just gets all, <laughs> all fluttery. And I, I love it. So, so speaking of that pop-up that she put on, she did one in September yep. at Chef Run the Block. And it was a huge success. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was packed the whole time I was there. I think even by the time I got there and I was there like an hour in, one item had sold out already because so many people were there. And, and ended up selling out early. Was that just like validation for you for something? And and I know that you're highlighting obviously Veg Edible and Stacy, but for you as well. I mean, you know, you open 
chef around the block and it's kind of like, well, I have this really good idea. I right. think it's going to work, but are people going to take to it to have it sell out on one of your first nights? That's got to be just a really validating feeling. What that validated was their success is my success. When she sells out of in two and a half hours, I mean, that's successful to her, which makes me look successful as well. So if she's successful, I'm successful. And I was very happy that night. So she's definitely going to be a regular coming through for sure. Which is good news for the rest of yes, us. Yes, yes, it is. So, Hey, listeners. So Thanksgiving is just a few weeks away, and, and this is the giving season. This is when everything is about food. It's about family. It's about coming together. And I really can't think of a better way to come together and enjoy great food than with certified Piedmontese. Just the the quality, the selection of the meats that you can get from certified Piedmontese, whether you're shopping online or you're stopping at the Mercado in Lincoln, you cannot top the selection and just the the amount of things that you can get from certified Piedmontese, whether it's beef, whether it's pork, whether it's chicken, uh, bacon. I mean, there are so many different options. And when you use uh, my code, Hoppen, H-O-P-P-E-N, that's my last name online, you get 25% off your order. As you're gathering with your family this holiday season, make sure you do it with certified Piedmontese. And now, back to my guest. You talked about this a little bit, but what is it about empowering the next generation of chefs that's so important to you? Like, I, I feel like there's a a general shared camaraderie between culinarians, especially in Omaha. I do feel that. Mm-hmm. But not many are doing what you're doing and providing this space and providing this experience, providing this knowledge. Like you said, you know, you you don't want to open your own brick and mortar, yet you've opened a brick and mortar for other people. Yeah. So, like, what is it about empowering that next generation that just pushes you forward? I like to eat good food and I want good <laughs> restaurants around me. So I going to make as many successful restaurant tours around here that I can, uh, so that I can try new cuisines. Me and my fiance go out every Wednesday to a different breakfast diner for brunch. Really? That's what we do. So we try to hit, we go all around town and just get a different brunch place. And, um, yeah, that's, it's our favorite thing. That's our, in the schedule. That's our calendar. Every Wednesday morning, we try to get to a, a different one. Sometimes we go, back and forth uh, to one that's close to the house. But every other every other week, we definitely hit a different diner. So, Are there any that you want to shout out? Uh, AJ's by our house, AJ's Cafe on uh, 90th and Fort. Uh, quality pancake, great staff, um, good food, consistently good food. That's uh, always key. So um, they're always good. JoJo's is fun. They got fun food. Um, but, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of diners out there for sure. Okay. WD Cravings, he's nice. Love uh, WD Cravings. Yeah. yeah, Piero's a man. Oh, he's great. I worked for him for, I helped him out back uh, early this year, last year. I don't know what year it is anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were short staff, so I'd pop in and, and do restaurant support, which is another thing I'm trying to add to my repertoire is culinary support, uh, support chefs for other restaurants. So so let, let's just get into that repertoire <laughs> real quick because we've focused solely on the pop-up shop so far, but that is one of like, six or seven things currently on your resume, not even talking about the past, but right now you're doing, you'll do private dinners in people's homes. You'll do catering. You do restaurant consulting. Um, cooking help, classes. Cook, cooking classes. How could I forget cooking classes? So many classes. Uh, 
is there anything else that I'm missing right now? Uh, and then I do have a, I do have the small uh, chef support support chef program. It's very early stages, but I have a group of cooks that I send to a restaurant that needs help. They work for a few days there, and then they come back. So yeah, it's like temp help, but culinary centric. So that's great. So I'm always looking for to fill that void too. So because again, labor market gets hard. We need sometimes it's just challenge of getting food on a plate and you know we just need a body to body to do that so mm-hmm. i'm trying to help provide those bodies too so so as i was going through and just doing research for this and looking at all the different things that you do and wondering how there's not like four dan benignos <laughs> running around and maybe there are and you, there's just clones of you i have no idea but i was just like man how does this guy do it and then i found an instagram post that you put up last December that said, I'll be honest, a lot of people think that working with food could be the best part of what I do. But for me, it's the early mornings, it's the late nights, and it's a chance to make a mark in the world. Can you unpack that quote a little bit for me and just tell me more about what cooking means to you? It's always on my mind. Food is always on my mind, whether it's a new dish that I'm thinking of or how to be more efficient in my prep work or, you know, pricing and ordering and what's on my shopping list. When I go traveling, it's like going out to eat, you know, it's how can I make this better? How can I incorporate this into my menu? You know, like just this weekend, somebody is ordering mac and cheese bites for uh, an event coming up and they're a pain in my butt to make. So I went out to a restaurant and they had mac and cheese like egg rolls. I'm like, well, I'm going to get that. I'm going to see how they do that. And I'm going to try to do that from now on because that seems like a late, you know, less pain in the butt for me to make. So it's also how I bring happiness to the world. That's my love language is making food. If I don't consume food very much, I'm a tall skinny guy as well, and I don't eat often as enough as my uh, fiance would like me to eat. That's for sure. Uh, but I love to make food for other people. I love to see their faces when they eat food and I'm the last person to eat at Thanksgiving. I want to make sure everybody's fed. And that's just brings me joy, you know, when I get to cook for other people. And that's, that's the mark I'm leaving in this world. As far as I'm concerned is bringing joy through my food or through other people's food however I can. Is that something that's always been a part of you or or when did you realize that was your opportunity to leave a mark on the world? Um, Midway through my career, I guess I, I got enough compliments cooking that I started to believe them that I was a good cook, I guess, you know, at first it was just working in restaurants. So I'd never go hungry because there was always food around. So I didn't have to buy it when I was, you know, in my low twenties. So um, that was always nice, but then, you know, you get enough servers, like that was really good. You know, this is really cool. What are you doing over there? You know, you get enough cooks that are like, this is a great guy to work with. I love doing, you know, love it when Dan's working these shifts, you know, you, you hear that enough times you you start to believe them and that little, uh, you know, imposter syndrome guy shuts up for a bit and that's always nice. And, you know, you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm apparently doing something right. Cause enough people are telling me that I'm doing something right, that 
this is how I'm going to be able to express myself better. Uh, and I just kept doing it. And then I just kept, you know, from a dishwasher at Sizzler at 17 to a national executive chef for training and development at my current age. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. I knew that you started at Sizzler, and I was like, was that where the love of food was born? And That was just close to home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured that was probably more a way to make yeah. money, but it got you into the industry. Yep. And I find it so interesting that you you talk about like just the joy that you get from seeing other people enjoy what you cook. And I look at, you know, the things that you're doing now, you know, you're not working in a restaurant where there's that, typically there's some open kitchens, but there's not that wall between the kitchen and the dining room, but Mm -hmm. you're doing a cooking class where you're helping people create food and then you're seeing them taste it, or you're doing a catering or you're doing a private dining. And in all these settings, you are getting to see that reaction when someone takes a bite of those mashed potatoes and they're just like, okay, this is the mashed potatoes I want for the rest of my life. Like what, what is it about that moment? Like, can you even describe what that's like? It's, it's, I mean, it gives me goosebumps. Honestly, it does when they, when they taste my food and they're just like quiet and they're just like contemplating like everything they've ever eaten in their life. And they're like, this is what it's supposed to be, you know? And it just, makes me happy. Yeah. I, it's just, you know, and I, I'm, I, I know a lot of chefs that, that have that same feeling and, and that's why we do these hours and we do this grueling work. And, um, because that's what, that's what brings us joy is, is seeing the joy in those others that are eating our food. And those are the successful chefs. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. When, when you can, when you sit there and watch people eat your food and, and their immediate reaction is just, to contemplate everything and they're just that was fantastic chef that was awesome that was great i had you know one lady at a cooking class she made mozzarella cheese for the first time she's like i made cheese fists in the air with you know excitement and i just i just i love it you know it's just great so she was successful at what she did and you know that brought me joy so I think we've all had that moment as a diner and I can think of three or four dishes just sitting here right now where you bite into it and it's just like, yes, you're doing exactly what you said. You're kind of like pouring through your food Rolodex in your mind going, what, it, what is this like anything I've had before? Like yeah. you're rolling through your food memories and then part of you also just slows down because it's like, eventually this plate is going to be gone. I want to remember everything about this, everything about this experience. I want to put into that Rolodex so I can come back to it at some point. And yeah, I I can imagine that's very validating. And something I always try to do is if I eat at a restaurant and have a fantastic time, I will, if, if I get a chance to thank the kitchen, I'll thank, I'll thank the kitchen. If not, I'll send the Instagram account or whatever a, a message on Instagram, or if I have the chef's number, I'll text them. Maybe like, maybe that doesn't matter all that much, but hearing what you just said, I think does. does validate a little bit. Like it, it helps, especially when you're working those crazy hours and you're going, man, what am I doing this for? To have that reaction and that response from people and just know that you, you changed somebody's day just yep. with a plate of food. That's, that's a yeah. special thing. Uh, any chance if I go out to eat or when I go out to eat and I walk by the, the pass window, you know, I'll point to the, uh, the guys and the kids in the back and I'm like, that was phenomenal guys. Thank you very much. And make sure everybody hurts me front of the house, back of the house. Cause I got a, I get, I get a decent sized booming voice. I'm make sure everybody <laughs> knows 
that it's okay to compliment the cooks. It 100% is. And, you know, being in those restaurants at that time when I could see people walking by, he's going, that was great. And I'm like, thank you. You know, those are valid. We love that. The mm-hmm. cooks love that. So don't be afraid to thank your cooks. Um, yeah, no, it's it's the best. So we talked a lot about, I guess we haven't talked a lot about, but we've, we've kind of covered that you spent a lot of years working in restaurants. But in the middle of 2020, right at the height of the pandemic, you decided to make a change. What was it about that point? Or I didn't decide to make a change. Okay. <laughs> my corporate my corporate overloads made me change. Okay, so a, a change was forced upon yes. you, but this is when you pivoted. Yep. And you embraced Chef Around the Block and really got that going. Can you kind of tell me how that all came to be? So, yeah, I you know was working for corporate dining, and once you have no corporations that need dining, saw the writing. Oh, I, I was furloughed, and I saw the writing on the wall like, hey, we're not coming back to work anytime soon. So I, I, I poked my head around some restaurants that were still slinging food, and it was like, I could go listen to some other jackass tell me what to do, or I could just be my own jackass and tell myself what to do. So we're going <laughs> to give that a shot. And then I, you know, I tried to figure out what it is I'm good at, which is a lot of things, especially that education part, the cooking part, and try to figure out what it is I wanted to do and try to go from there and try to develop it. And my culinary endeavors, you know, took me to a lot of different directions. You know, I started with meal prepping just to fill that restaurant void that people had that either they couldn't get good quality food, scratch-made stuff, uh, or they didn't know how to cook, or they didn't want to cook, or they still had work to do and didn't have time to cook. So I was filling that void, and I was pretty successful for those, you know, the last half of 2020 for sure with with my meal preps. Um, and then, you know, I some people wanted to learn how to cook, so I did a, a, a Zoom class, a Zoom cooking class for a, a company team-building exercise, and I dropped off all the ingredients to their houses locally, and we Zoomed in, and I just kind of got it all set up. So that was they had a blast and I had a blast doing that. So we kind of pivoted more to the cooking classes and it was really, I found that we'll go a little bit dark here, but a few years ago I was like depressed, like severe depression. And I didn't know what was going on and how to deal with it. So I talked to some people, talked to a counselor, cause you should, if you're having mental health issues, talk to somebody about it. And I've realized that I was doing a lot of desk work and I wasn't cooking in my current position as a corporate trainer and I wasn't expressing myself artistically anymore. And that was building up and it was hurting me inside. So I painted Star Wars murals in my basement and I made a point to cook more, whether for myself or for others and create that. And I realized, you know, when I was developing Chef Around the Block that I needed to maintain that culinary artistry that I needed to keep creating stuff because I didn't want to go back to those dark times at all. So uh, I really needed to focus on how do I get this artistic energy out? How do I get it, you know, that creativity out? How can I get people, other people to be more creative as well? So, you know, the cooking classes became a huge thing. You know, even last year I, I sold, I don't know how many, 36 
cooking class certificates for for Christmas. Uh, they're just great experiences for people. You know, instead of you know buying them a knife, I bought them. You know, they buy them cooking classes, and you know, I've been doing I, I'd say about seventy cooking classes this year alone. So, um, so I really wanted to maintain that and just see that joy of cooking from you know civilians is what I call them. Uh, and get their knife skills up and get them more confident in the kitchen because honestly, everybody belongs in the kitchen. You just might need more training to be more comfortable. And, you know, I'm willing to do that. So I can see there's like an extra light in your eyes when you talk about these cooking <laughs> classes. Like, food is your passion. And that is like me. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like that's like your strongest channel. Like, not only are you eventually feeding people, well, I guess you're helping people feed themselves, right. but they're going to take those skills that you give them and continue using them in the future. So it's like you're feeding them over and over and over again, as opposed to just once the whole teach a man to fish type of deal. Yep. Um, it's that education part that I enjoy, you know, whether it is a civilian that doesn't know how to hold a knife or, you know, 12 year old kid that just has inkling for passion in the kitchen or, you know, a restaurant that's been established for, you know, three to five years that could use a little push or a little more, education in the right direction i want i want everybody to know all of the things i do um i don't want to be surrounded by stupid people so i'm going to teach them (laughs) as much as i can uh and and the thing with you know my last 14 years in in corporate world and being able to translate that into the mom and pop world you know corporate world has systems in place they have standards and they have you know processes in place that have been trained and and reiterated over and over and tested that I think the mom and pop places need to, you know, absorb a little bit better and they would be more successful and they could have days off if they had all the recipes vetted and written down that anybody could come in, look at it, execute it, tastes perfect. Now you can take a day off, you know? So if you can be able to delegate those responsibilities better, uh, I think you'll see more mom and pop restaurants be successful in that. And I think it's just, bridging that gap between corporate and, and uh, individual. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am really, really fascinated to get into your background here because I think it's going to be really interesting. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout-out to one of my awesome sponsors, and that is Lone Tree Foods. How, dear listener, would you like to order the same ingredients that chefs are using at your favorite restaurants? That's exactly what Lone Tree Foods allows you to do. Nebraska's local food distributor is where many restaurants get their produce, meats, mushrooms, oils, and more. It connects small farms and food producers to restaurants, stores, schools, and you. That's right. All these awesome ingredients are available to you. I had never used microgreens in any of my cooking before encountering Lone Tree Foods, but now my wife and I have been incorporating this spicy mix of greens from Robinette Farms, and it just takes a pop of flavor, brings things right to the next level. I highly encourage you to check this place out. Visit LoneTreeFoods.com to start purchasing restaurant-quality ingredients and upping your cooking game today. And now, back to my guest. You mentioned it earlier, but I need more backstory on it. Tell me about your first cooking class that you did, this virtual one. Like, how did how did you get contacted about it? What did you cook? I know you said you delivered to everyone's houses and you did it over Zoom. Like, did the people have any skills or was it pretty rudimentary? Like, anything that you can tell me about this. I just want the whole story because it so, sounds really cool. So this is, to be fair, my only Zoom cooking class I've done um, was 
one of my first cooking classes I've done because, you know, obviously it was middle of COVID. Um, I honestly, I think she just came across me on the website on the chefaroundtheblock.com and I had listed cooking classes on there and I was local and, uh, you know, nobody else is really doing that uh, type of thing. And we worked out um, a menu for her and four other houses. So it was five houses total, I believe. Um, we did Vietnamese shrimp spring rolls. We did beef fried rice. We did pork pot stickers and lo mein. So it was about a two and a half, three hour class. And I had assembled all the ingredients they needed and a list of things they needed on hand and the recipes and some instructions, uh, my little philosophies and stuff. And then I, I dropped them on their doorsteps and, you know, they took them in. We all zoomed in and, you know, I, I had a, I did this at the Hoff Family Art Center and their art director kind of helped me with some camera work and got some, you know, shots set up on the cutting board so I could work with it and some frontal ones so that they can watch me and uh, listen to me better. And then everybody kind of pulled up their laptops and sitting in the kitchens and went through basic stuffs and cut some vegetables and made some sauces and everybody kind of had dinner and I just sat there and watched everybody eat. (laughs) Good job, everybody. So, uh, no, I, I, they, I think they even left a a nice review on my, my Google page and yeah, that was, that was one of the first early ones and it's just been snowballing since, like I said, dozens and dozens of cooking classes. So I have two this week. So, so like you said, up to that point, you'd mostly been doing to-go meals mm-hmm. uh, that people could pick up and reheat. But now, you know, that was kind of one of those moments where it was like, oh, maybe cooking class is a thing. Was there a moment in that class where like a light bulb went off or something where you were just like, man, this is really fun? Uh, no, I, I cooking classes were definitely on the horizon. Okay. Like, I, it was always on the horizon. Um you know, Sir Latab does them locally as well. And they had shut down and, you know, I never actually took one of their cooking classes, but I've always, I've seen some of their videos and they always look neat. Uh, and like I said, I, I like teaching food and I know it. And I, I tell them too, it's like, you know, ask me any culinary question you have. I'll say it with enough confidence. You'll believe me. So, <laughs> uh, and it seems to work out. <laughs> So how did you decide to expand your business to include catering and then the personal chef dining experiences as well? So the personal chef experience did come from COVID as well. Like, you know, they weren't going out to restaurants, so I was bringing the restaurant experience to them. So I I do prep work and and plate and interact as much as little or as much as the guests or the hosts wanted, which was generally a good amount. So, which is always fine with me. I can cut with my eyes closed. I don't have to pay attention that much. And, uh, you know, so it, it, the personal chef gig kind of picked up pretty good. And then once they have my food, they like my food, and then they bring me back for a catering. So, um, yeah, so that just that just evolved very easily uh, between those two. And then it's always a fun experience to bring a chef in and, and start cooking and showing off to your hosts. And like I said, you know, I'll take care of all the food. You go entertain your guests and, you know, be able to mingle, like clean up everything and, then bounce so those are always fun um like i said there are significantly better chefs out there than i am i'm a good cook like i said um and i i we started with uh seth from 
Conscious Kitchen just started over at Kitchen Council as well, and he makes beautiful food. We had him over at our yeah, house a couple months ago. That. Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah, he makes beautiful great guy too. food. Yeah, he's he's great. He's a great neighbor for sure. Um, you know, and, and I have zero problems promoting those. Like people email, hey, we need a private chef. I'm like, I'm booked that week, but here's a list of people that you can talk to. You know, I, I, you know, I have strict dietary restrictions. Here's a list of people. You can, I need meal prep. Here's a list of people. I have zero. Like I said, I'm not in competition with any of these people. I'm not. I'm here to make all of us successful. And if if I can throw you some bones to to help you out, I'm sure it'll come back around to me one way or another. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. So. Something, and this is kind of just out of left field, but it, it's something that I'm very, very curious about, especially watching some competition cooking shows like Top Chef. Can you just kind of peel back the curtain on what it's like to work in an unfamiliar kitchen? So, like, whether that's someone's home or whether you're doing a pop-up and, you know, you're – or someone's operating in your space for the first time, you know, how, how can you coach them? But just, like, having a different – setup not knowing necessarily where the tools are where's like what's the distance from the walk-in to where i'm going to be like how do you prepare yourself and set yourself up for success when you're entering a foreign kitchen so good chefs good cooks can adapt and overcome quickly we can pivot we can we can make uh adjustments on the fly like hey 86 rutabagas okay what's next you know make it happen uh i bring as much preparedness as I can. So I bring my own pots and pans. I bring my own tongs and spoons. I bring all the ingredients I need, uh, collapsible crates, coolers, or walking in, set up. Uh, so I don't necessarily, I ask them to have clean counters, clean kitchen, and a little bit of refrigerator space. That's all I need from them. Um, and then, you know, I, I come prepared myself so that's the safest bet you try and take all the unknown variables as many as you can out exactly so when i have the pop-ups i always encourage um the chefs to come visit the space to get a feel for it you know i take videos and they're on my socials so that you can see what what's available and what's around so i i always encourage to do as much research as you can uh, just to again yeah eliminate those variables how uh, you, you mentioned kitchen council a couple times, and this is a, a space in, um, oh, it's a commissary kitchen in Council Bluffs yep. where several different concepts operate out of, and it kind of allows them to prepare uh, and store food and equipment and stuff and then go out and do pop-ups or, or wh- whatever yep. it may be, catering, whatever it may be. How did you get hooked up with kitchen council, and what have they done for your career? So I originally, when I was establishing Chef Around the Block, I was going to open my own commissary kitchen food truck corral. You know, I wanted to promote spaces for other chefs to, to build their brand and I'd be able to educate them and, you know, park their food trucks and give them caterings in the off season, you know, rental equipment, all that jazz. So that's essentially what I wanted to do. Um, And while doing research on that and realizing that I need my own commissary kitchen at some point, I found, you know, no more empty pots and kitchen council were both available. And I liked kitchen council's payment structure better. It was just pay a monthly rent, 24 seven access. You're good to go. Here's brand new equipment, you know, it's rival some of the, you know, Google cafes I opened and they've just, you know, great space. That's just the kitchen itself, you know, fully stocked equipment, like more mixers than you need. I mean, really. Um, 
So that was just a, a great space to work out of. And then they gave me a few resources that I needed to be successful as an independent that I'm, you know, not super familiar with. Uh, so th- they helped me with that. But then the Hoff Family Arts Center, the building itself, is a whole other entity that Kitchen Council rents from. And the opportunities I got out of there is insane. Like, you know, just the caterings. They have a pop-up sh- uh, kitchen downstairs that we, we utilize as well. Uh, weddings we do out of there. So we've catered weddings out of there, conferences. I do the Rotary Club of Council Bluffs every Thursday afternoon for lunch. So I have consistent business with them. Um, they have a fourth floor art gallery that changes every quarter and I've hosted private dinners for up to 70 people in there and 50 people, sorry, 50 people. And, uh, whatever, whatever. you said, as long as you say something confidently that I I I don't want to exaggerate though. You've served 700 people, forget 70. I have have (laughs) served 700 people. Um, so, you know, doing a nice plated dinner in there in the art gallery, just, you know, from slinging burgers down at the pop-up kitchen to, you know, a Venice and Wellington up in the art gallery in the same building, you know, it's, it's fun to do. So, uh, yeah, they've, they've given me a huge amount of opportunities and, uh, it's blessing. That's for sure. So, and then in just in terms of like relationship wise, there are so many different concepts that operate mm-hmm. out of those kitchens. I mean, we've already shouted out three or four on this episode, whether it's conscious kitchen or, or veg edible or, you know, uh, Viva Fit. Viva Fit. Um, Barbecue Brothers. Curb Cakes Bakery is, yep. is another one that's popped up at Chef Around the Block. How cool has it been? Just, I mean, it's it's so unique to have a shared space where mm-hmm. you're constantly, like, you're rubbing shoulders with other people who are dif- doing different types of cuisine and, and have different experiences and different ideas on food. I would imagine for someone, especially who's as curious as you, that that's just invigorating to constantly oh. being meeting new people. It's great. It's it's not just a commissary kitchen. It's a community kitchen. That's what I always call it. And it's, you know, if I, I don't bake, I don't pretend to bake. I don't want to bake. It's not my thing. I don't want to do it. So I call Kirby at Curb Cakes Bakery and Pastry. I'm like, hey, I need pastries for this event. Don't overcharge me. I'll cut you <laughs> cut you in there. Uh, Nibs Chocolate makes great oh, chocolate yes. stuff. And Lindy like, is amazing. She's great. Uh, so I need something outsource it to her barbecue brothers you know hey give me that barbecued pork belly i'm gonna put it on some polenta and we're gonna sell it with an egg on it done you know i have no problems you know bringing in their pieces to create my meal uh and then obviously giving them shout outs for it on on top of that so you know it's definitely a a community work and like i said it's not a competition it's it's we're all in this together to be successful we're going to help each other out. And that's what we do is like, oh, by the way, can I borrow an onion? Yeah, hold Yeah, right here. Can I use your shafers? Yeah, sure. They're over here. And it's just that give and take. Um, it's just super friendly. Love it. Absolutely love that atmosphere. Now, we have had a absolutely fantastic conversation so far, but I've saved one of my most important questions for near the end. I've only met you a couple times, but the times that I have, once you were wearing a Star Wars-themed shirt, (laughs) I see on your water bottle you have a Cloud City sticker and a a Darth Vader-like ring going on. On your backpack, there's a Lego R2-D2 hanging off right now. You are one of, just from my limited experiences with you, I can tell you are a Star Wars fanatic. So I have to know, have you ever done any kind of Star Wars-themed 
dinner or any catering or anything where like where you're featuring some roasted pork or some portion bread or anything like that uh, that is definitely on the menu for may at the pop-up shop for may the 4th May the 4th oh yeah. yes that is i my, love my, it it's my wedding date it will be may the 4th in uh, 2024 um she's a star wars fan as well i would hope so yeah and uh i've done my previous my corporate job i would definitely write star wars menus every uh may the 4th as well so you know the uh, lemon act bars, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, those types of things. So it was always fun. Yes, I'm a huge Star Wars geek for sure. Yep, Star Wars murals downstairs in the basement. Um, my majority of my socks are Star Wars socks of the 300 socks that I have. Um, That's respectable in so many different ways. Several. I'm about nine lightsabers, and I do. Uh, cosplay with the 501st Legion as well as a Sith Lord. So, All right. And then tattoos on top of that. <laughs> okay, so I know that it's still late October here, but, you know, we're talking about May the 4th at, at, uh, at Chef Ron the Block. Do you have any anything that you can tease a couple months in advance or maybe any ideas that are just kind of percolating in your mind? Oh, I can't. I can't too, right too far in advance. Too far in advance. Yeah, I okay. gotta get through the holidays first. That that was a, that was a stretch. <laughs> I'm just excited because I'm not as big of a Star Wars fan as you, but I enjoy Star mm. Wars, and so if I get a chance to have some Imperial or Rebel themed yeah. dishes, I'm I'm all here for it. Yeah. So That's I will fun. definitely be keeping an eye on Chef Around the Block, as should you, listeners. Follow Chef Around the Block on Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Or you can go to ChefAroundTheBlock.com. These are the places where you can stay up to date with what Dan has going on, all the different cool things, who's popping up in the pop-up shop. Very important. So on that, I am looking for chefs to pop up in the pop-up shop. So I need new chefs around the block. So come on down and visit the space and shoot me an email and get get you booked. Yeah, I mean, this is a great opportunity. We were talking earlier in the episode about so many cooks have great ideas and they just don't have an opportunity to to highlight them. This is a space. It's indoors. It's got all the equipment that you'll need. You've got Dan at your disposal. He's a, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's got a lot of experience. If you've listened to the first 50 minutes of this episode, you know he's a wealth of knowledge. He's got hundreds of followers on Instagram and Facebook that immediately, you know, that expands your audience digitally as well. This is a great opportunity. And even if you're just like, I don't know, you know, if I really want to do this, this is a great chance to test your concept. See if you love it. See if the public takes to it. It's To me, it's a no-lose. It's a win-win. Yep. Opportunities abound. All right. Two more questions before I get you out of here. And these are the two, two questions that I like to ask just about everybody that comes through here. Um, what is one thing you think most diners don't understand about the restaurant industry that you wish they did? That there's probably more work in it than you think there is. It's not just making a cheeseburger that goes into making a cheeseburger. There's a lot of other variables that go into from writing the menu on a piece of paper about that cheeseburger to ordering the bread and ordering the beef and then ordering the cheese and then ordering this, that, and the other, then training the cook on how to make that cheeseburger and then telling the server how to execute the, the cheeseburger, how it's supposed to be sat in front of the customer. Um, to, and this is all one dish. This is all one dish, <laughs> exactly. Uh, to how it gets bussed, to how it gets washed, to 
there's so many moving parts to that one dish that, you know, don't take going out for granted. You know, enjoy the experience, appreciate the people making your food and, uh, you know, appreciate them or praise them more. Uh, show them that gratitude for, for going out and creating that food for you because it's what we do for a living. It's what we do to bring joy to the world. You know, don't dump on that if you can. Appreciate that. I love that. And then to get you out of here on a positive note, and I'm interested in this answer because I feel like based off our conversation, I could hear you saying four or five different things here. What is your favorite part about working in the restaurant industry? Ooh. Or just food industry overall, I guess. I mean, I love cooking. I just like making food. I love I love sharing that joy of cooking with others and just teaching them that it's not hard to do either. Like if if you're organized and you know the foundations, you can do it too. Anybody can cook. You just need to know a few things and you know, I, everybody belongs in the kitchen. Just enjoy yourself. Everybody belongs in the kitchen. That might need to be Chef on the Block's <laughs> new tagline right there. I think you just stumbled onto something brilliant. So, Chef Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was a true just pleasure to hear stories, to hear insights, but really just to to hear about your mission and and the things that you want to do. You don't just want to cook food for people, but you want to empower people to go experience new things, or to just be able to cook for themselves, which I think is a really special thing. So thank you for for giving the time today. Thank you for having me. And yeah, uh, listeners, I mean, there are so many ways that you can get hooked up with Chef Ryan the Block. You can take one of those awesome cooking classes. You can have Chef Dan come into your home and just blow your guests away (laughs) with a meal cooked right there in front of you. Or you can go to Chef Ryan the Block in Midtown, and there's going to constantly be different pop-ups in there, different chefs, different menus. There's going to be something new every single time. And like Chef Dan said, just try it once. You get, you got to try everything at least once. So Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production. <laughs>